And it's another episode of Brood in Bangkok and another episode without an intro jingle. We're still in the morning period for the late king of Thailand. And as such, no entertainment, no music and only behind closed doors. I'm probably in your earbuds right now, but I'm playing this a little bit safe. You kind of want to be erring on the safe side in the current situation in Thailand. So that's why no intro jingle. By the way, morning period, am I pronouncing that right? Is it morning, more, more? The thing is, I learned these words on the internet or mostly by reading books, so I actually have no idea how to pronounce them. And unlike Thai, English isn't very specific about the pronunciation of certain words or certain, well, it is specific of certain words, but you can't tell from the way they're written. So, though and plow are both O-U-G-H, but they're pronounced completely differently, and there is no way to tell that unless you, well, know. So today's episode is going to be about Airbnb. For those that don't know about Airbnb, Airbnb is a accommodation booking website that connects usually travelers with locals who have spare space to rent out, be it an extra apartment or maybe just a room. And the idea is that in many cities, people might have a second bedroom, a guest bedroom, or even a empty apartment, or maybe they're leaving for the weekend and other people are coming to town and could use that space. So I always liked the concept of Airbnb because it, to me, it seems like an efficient use of resources. You take an underutilized um, asset like your second your guest room and you monetize it with uh, um, which helps to offset peak capacity demand for example if there's a conference in town and hotel rooms aren't sufficient that really can make a difference when prices go up maybe a lot of people consider offering their room as a guest room now bangkok i think is a very special case for airbnb in most cases well, people rent out apartments in Airbnb that they either usually live in or maybe an ex space that they have anyway. Though recently you probably saw some Airbnb entrepreneurs who specifically rent apartments to rent them out. In Bangkok, things go a bit further though because here people buy apartments to invest in them. The rental income is sometimes only of secondary nature. They believe many people believe they can make a good return on the appreciation alone so it's not uncommon to see brand new condominium buildings that have maybe an occupancy rate of 25 percent with many people either not using it or having their kids live in it while they study and expecting to do to do a return on that in over the years just through appreciation now, why don't they just rent out the rooms at a lower rate to just fill it up because it would be extra income, right? The thing is, in apartment uh, in Bangkok, most apartments are furnished. So they have um, standard fixed um, wardrobes and other furniture installed that usually aren't of extremely high quality, but they look really nice. So for the first few years... It looks like a very, very nice place. And over time, it kind of starts to show some wear, at which point it kind of gets difficult to still rent it out for top dollar because unless you 
pull the furniture out and replace it, it's very hard to renovate it. These are pressed wood furnitures that usually in Germany, for example, you would pick up at Ikea, and here they're installed fixed, so you can't exchange it very easily. So what landlords want to do is they want to make sure that they get top dollar for renting out to the first few people who rent it because they are going to be the ones that get the most value and also will detract the most value because an apartment that has never been lived in is similar to a car that has never been driven. It's brand new. And in a way, second-hand apartments have the same reputation here as do second-hand cars elsewhere. People don't really trust them. They don't know what's going on. Maintenance history might be sketchy. So lots of people won't have new apartments. What this comes down to is that there's a lot of empty space and a lot of empty furnished space who people really want to get good dollar to rent it out or good part in this case and that's where airbnb comes in because tourists do pay high dollar and in that case it is actually dollars for renting a space you might not have a high occupancy rate but you definitely get your money's worth for the days that your apartment is getting used and your furnitures are being worn down so for a lot of landlords in Bangkok, Airbnb is a very, very nice um, opportunity. They have all this empty space, which is very different from a place, for example, like Copenhagen, where most apartments are rented out. So there's very few opportunities to actually do Airbnb because people there definitely rely on rental income and much less on speculation. So in a speculation-driven market like Bangkok, there's a lot of empty capacity that Airbnb can drop in. And the fact that it's common to have furnished apartments so that these apartments don't just stand empty like you might find in some cities in China means that they can act, they're actually ready to rent, be rented out. So there is a massive capacity of empty rooms waiting for tourists. It's also that these rooms are nice brand new condos here they are on par with hotel rooms and very modern and nice hotel rooms it's not a dorm room it's not a your uncle's guest room where they put the old bed it's they're really nice so it's actually very high quality available accommodation of course, Bangkok is also very, very popular with tourists. It's now the most visited city in the world. More people than London, more people than New York. So there is a significant demand for these spaces. That provides a huge market and not just a niche income, but really a big impact for landlords. If you're looking at other places where you see high revenues for Airbnb, Bangkok is also different. You have cities where Airbnb works really well during conferences. I think South by Southwest is that in Austin, where during that time it's impossible to get a room. I think that's where Airbnb started. And you have really people renting out their spare capacity during that time frame. Bangkok, however, has tourism year-round. So for people, there's really the opportunity to not just do a one-off thing, but they can actually create a structure 
an organization around providing these spaces to tourists. They can have full-time staff. And that is another big thing about Thailand. Staff is cheap. If you want to rent out your second bedroom, well, that might be easy because you're at home already, but many people want to have their own place. So how do you give them the key? How do you clean the place? How do you do all the communication with people? If you do that in a place like Stockholm, you would have to think there is a person in Stockholm who has uh, enough money to buy a place or to rent a place that has enough space, who then has to organize cleaning, who or maybe has to clean it him or herself, who has to hand over the key, or has to make time and a schedule. That's a lot of hassle. So for many people, it might not be worth it. So And for the people who would might consider it worthwhile, maybe they don't have places that appeal to this kind of buyer uh, in you find on Airbnb. However, in Thailand, you can hire people for that. It's very, very cheap, very affordable to hire cleaning staff. It's very cheap to hire admin staff who can do handovers of keys, resolve other issues. You can literally create an organization that handles your Airbnb business at very, very affordable rates. It's very hard to compete in more established markets where you have hotels who have good deals with laundry companies who have minimum wage cleaners who have all these services who really leverage their scale to provide rooms in a clean and orderly and organized and easy to book manner. Sure, people can compete with that, but the margins are slower. In Bangkok, it's very easy. The barriers are very, very easy to find someone to clean your place for cheap. You could get the maid who works in your building anyway to handle all that for you, and she probably would do it for the equivalent of $10 per guest. That includes cleaning the place and giving them the key. So... At that point, you really have the infrastructure necessary to cater to a lot of tourists. So in Bangkok, you have the situation where you have the demand, where you have the supply, and where you have all the know-how and the infrastructure to meet it. And from what I see in my local neighborhood, what I mentioned in the beginning... This kind of thing has really, really, really taken off in the last two, three months since maybe July 2016. I can't see how this will stay without consequences. At the current rate that this is increasing, and keep in mind Thailand's tourism industry makes up, I think, somewhere between 10 and 20% of the entire economy. So businesses in the tourism industry, and especially hotels, have a lot of pull with the local authorities. I can't see them stand by idly for long while the private market takes away all their business. And I would go as far as to say they can take away a very, very big part of the business. With average occupancy rates being somewhere in a range where you could probably fit all the hotel capacity in the empty apartments of Bangkok, it's something to worry about. I can't see the Thai government at the current, I mean, the current rate that it's increasing. I mean, by the end of the year, it will be at a level where I think the government's hand will soon be forced to either 
regulate it, to tax it, maybe even to ban it, or find some other kind of action that will allow them to handle it. And I can assume, I assume they will have some very quick short-term action that is based on different lobby groups here. And in practice, there might be a lot of circumventions similar as it happened with all the ride-sharing apps. Long-term, though, I think that the companies in the market that work with the government will fare quite well. Maybe that's going to be a competitor of Airbnb. I think there's like HomeAway and other companies, but it can also be Airbnb in themselves. Today I got an email from Airbnb that they are actually going to create an Airbnb China business that is specifically set up to share information directly with the Chinese government for anybody who has places in Airbnb. So what happens there is Airbnb creates an office in China that passes along all the information to the government. So the government knows how much rental income people make. The government can tax people directly so they can create a much more uh, even playing field. Because unlike hotels, a lot of homeowners I can see might be tempted to not pay tax on the rental income they make. They can be skipping tax surcharges that maybe apply in the tourism industry, which isn't really fair because they are providing the same service as hotels, so they should also be on a similar playing field. And I, I assume this is what some something that we'll see more happening in the future. I could see that Airbnb sets up a talent office that cooperates with authorities here just because the market here is so important for tourism and for Airbnb that will submit the earnings of Airbnb owners here to the government. By the way, if you are an Airbnb owner and you have done this in the past, there's a good chance that once Airbnb does this, they will remit all the information, not just the information that go happens from then onwards. So if you haven't been paying rental income on your income here, there's a chance they'll find out. And um, now might be a good time to address that. However, I think in general, Airbnb will be doing well in Thailand. So if you're not on it yet, there's actually still a few ways you can use Airbnb to basically stay at least a night or two or depending where you go, even several for free. I think you can realistically expect to get about $150 in travel credit if you handle your Airbnb sign-up right. In other words, Airbnb gives you coupons, gives you benefits that allow you to spend the equivalent of $150 um, which means, depending on where you're staying, that might be anywhere from you know a few hours at your hotel to um, entire week. And part of that is, of course, the sign-up coupon you get, but there's also a few other things you can do. I'll put together a quick guide that shows you how to get all those discounts. So if you're not an Airbnb yet, you can use that to um, get a few free nights yourself as well as for your friends and partners. Uh, go to broodinbangkok.com slash airbnb. That is broodinbangkok.com slash A-I-R-B-N-B. And I'll put a, up a guide there that'll show you how to get those $150 in travel credit, which hopefully will help you to get started on Airbnb. 
I think it might even be useful if you are already on Airbnb and can take advantage of some of that, of part of that. So I hope that will help you a bit. I would love to hear what you guys think about the whole Airbnb business in Thailand. So if you go to the same URL, you can also leave some comments there and maybe you have some advice on how to best handle that. Maybe you have some questions. I think it's a really important industry for Thailand just based on the popularity of tourism here and the importance of the construction industry here as well because all those corner buildings need to be occupied somehow because if this fails just the condominium construction business then they're also in trouble and that depends on increasing demand so i can totally see how this is a market that a lot of people will spend a lot of thought about and maybe it's a good idea to get in on that early so i appreciate you taking 20 minutes out of your day today to listen to my musings about airbnb and i hope you find it actually gives you a nice return Well, technically, if you can use all that, that'll be $150 for 20 minutes or $450 an hour, which I think would be an acceptable return for podcast listening. And in the future, I might also be doing more of those solo episodes with advice and thoughts on current topics. If that is something you would like to hear more, maybe you can send me an email. You know where to find me or send me a comment i'm on facebook i'm on twitter my contact form is on the website so i'd love to hear from you in this regard i also really want to say big thanks to two listeners jamal who was also a guest on this show before and jan who wrote me an email just a day ago and gave me some feedback for the podcast and that's really awesome of you guys thanks a lot It's sometimes a bit uh, hard when you're sitting in a room and you're talking to a microphone. You don't hear much back from what people liked or what they would love to hear more about. So any input you have on this is really appreciated. So I hope you have a good day and I'm looking forward to having you as a listener again next time. <laughs>